everyone. Welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo, and with me as always is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. Hey, hey. What up, cuz? Hey, good. I'm great. How are you? Fantastic. <laughs> Not bad for a Wednesday. It is a Wednesday. Let's yeah. see. We're, we were supposed to record on Sunday, and then we moved to <laughs> Monday, and now it's Wednesday. <laughs> That's all what right. happens in the podcasting world. <laughs> you get busy. <laughs> all yeah. right, guys, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast to discuss anything and everything within the galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. We talk about it. Andrea. Lauren. All right. So we're we got a couple things to talk about today. Uh, we're going to hit a little bit of news, a little bit of news, and then we're going to deep dive into the uh, Rise of Skywalker documentary, which you and I have not talked about yet. I'm excited to bring some Tross back into our listeners' lives. I feel yeah, like no, it's, it's good needed. Stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's good stuff. All right, but the first news that we want to talk about is this supposed, and I will say this up top, rumor, rumor. rumor Rumor, rumor, rumor. There is a supposed Ben Solo TV show that is being in or is in development uh, to come to Disney+. Plus. I have a lot of thoughts on this, Andrea. You go first. <laughs> first of all, think about it. If there was no Disney+, Plus, there would be no rumors anymore. <laughs> I mean, I that's mean, be- true. You're because right. Since- You're right. Since Disney has this platform now to create shows on, I mean, it's just everybody's got a show and it's it's going to happen and it's all in the talks, which probably it is. And, uh, you know, Ben Solo is a major character and is near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And I don't feel like the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book gave his backstory justice. So... If they were going to present a Ben Solo, Kylo Ren show, then yes, I agree. I would want it to, you know, travel through that story, the pre-story. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I as much as I love Charles Soule and I, there's a lot of things that happened in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic that I loved and enjoyed. There was still things that I was like, oh man, I was kind of, I wish I was hoping for more. Yeah, not enough. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it would be awesome if they do this show and if this is in development, whether it's live action, whether it's animated, who knows? It could be, it could be a multitude of things. I want it to be live action. So do I. But here's the thing with that. Adam Driver, as much as I love him and as much as I want him to come back and do Kylo Ren, I don't particularly think he is the type of actor that would come back to do a show of a character that he has done and probably has moved on from. As much as he, and we're, we're going to talk about it in the Trust documentary, as much as he liked that character and being that character, I think he's done. Oh, in my personal opinion, I think he's I don't think he wants to play that character anymore. So if you do a show without him, I guess I guess I guess it does depend on the time frame. Mm -hmm. You do a show and it's not him. I get to me. I'm not interested. I'm just not interested. Not if it's pre pre Kylo Ren and they get a good adolescent Ben Solo. So what we know is that he was with Luke that entire time. Right. What if it's even before that? What if it's so you're talking like when he made before he went with Luke is what you're thinking? Like what? What are you, I, where? Where in the time frame would you like this to fall? Like if if you had if you could make that decision for the all Lucasfilm. of it. I mean, not all all pre all pre. Uh, you know, him being at home with Leia, him on adventures with Chewie and and Han. And I know that sounds close to impossible based off of casting, doing it live action, but it is possible. I know that we hold certain actors in our hearts, you know, very close to that's the only person that can play that character. But there are a lot of people in this world and there are a lot of talented people in this world. And there are a lot of talented casting directors as well, too that know how to find talent and know how to create, uh, you know, a timeline that we've never seen before. So him being young, him being with Han, him being with Leia, uh, him being with Luke, 
you know, him being with Snoke. All of that is is much needed. It's a story of coming of age that needs to be told. I mean, I don't disagree with your premise. I mean, I would love I would love more Ben Solo. As you know, I'm a huge fan of the character. I'm a huge fan of obviously Adam Driver. So, yeah, I mean, more Ben Solo, the better. And I, I'm for it. But again, I for me, this is just for me. Mm hmm. I think a lot of people, as much as they would love the backstory, and I would too, I, I personally think a lot of people, me included, want to know what the hell happened to him in the Force. Is he a Force ghost? Is he able to communicate with Ray still? What What is going on? Is he, I mean, I, and I love, I love people's theories. I do. I love, this is where Star Wars is fun, is the theories. And the theory of like, maybe he's in the world between worlds. I love all that stuff. I love all that stuff. So I tend to look at that timeline instead of the pre. Now, pre, I, I could be down with. But for me, I guess we we already know. And I guess for me, I already know that his his growing up wasn't the best. It wasn't the greatest because his parents were were very busy. Leia was doing her stuff in the Senate and everything like that. I mean, that needs, On, to, be, that needs to be shown. I mean, there's a there's a huge audience that needs to connect with that. Do you type need a of... do you need a show for all that though? Like, yeah. do you need a live action? You need a live action. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fine. I need a live action. I will. I, I don't. To, I yeah. don't. Need a, I don't need a live action. To watch him grow up, you don't need to see it. I mean, I don't need to see. I mean, think of the, all the people involved in his life, and I'm not just talking Leia, Han, Chewie. I mean, I'm talking about senators. And, you know, racers, all types of things, you know, different types of, um, you know, Jedis in training like it. The the galaxy is so large and who he interacted with, it could bring so much more to Star Wars. And I think it would complement. I think he brings like, I don't even know how to say this. I just feel like it wouldn't just be a Ben Solo story. It would it would be him, okay, but okay. there would also be more to it, obviously. Right, right, right. I get that. And I get that, you know, it could bring in different or familiar characters that we were with and see them in a different way. Like you're saying, Han and Leia, Chewie, even Luke, uh, Laura Santeca. Like, yeah, we could bring in a bunch of familiar characters and kind of get their perspective from from Ben's from Ben's perspective what how they were so yeah I mean I get it I guess I don't need a live action show like I'm okay like tell that in a in a book in a comic I mean even an animated show I'd be fine with for sure but live action I guess I just don't, I just don't need it I just don't I don't need a live action show of that if I want a live action show of Ben Solo I want it where the, where the hell did he go like I know yeah, he's I with the force that. but like See, I guess that's me. <laughs> I want like, I want, I like a short stuff. story of that. I want like a, a chapter. Okay, that's fair. That's I fair. I don't feel like that goes too far. I don't feel like there's much potential there. Once you know where he is and what he's been doing, then what else do you need? Well, I mean, he could be helping Ray train. I mean, as a force ghost, he could be helping Ray somehow, tra you know, like communicating with her, communicating with new Jedi and teaching them like the ways that, you know, how he was wrong and the right ways. It could be a lot of potential. I, let's just face it. They should have not. I'll be, I mean, we'll talk about this maybe when we get into the documentary, but they should have, they should have kept him alive, in my opinion. Nah. They should have <laughs> kept that character alive. I will. I mean, that's a debate that you and I have had before. Bam. <laughs> Peace, brother. <laughs> I think he could, I think it would have been a great, and I've said, I've, I've said this before to you. I think it would have been a great story if they would have had him, you know, take take what he did wrong in like, you know, it, it's in front of him. Like he had to redeem himself for what he did and pay the consequences for what he did. And I would have loved to see that in some type of form, like him taking, you know, trying to make good on what he what Leia and Han wanted him to be and, you know, making the, con you know, suffering the consequences of his actions, you know, before he turned back to Ben Solo. I just, I would have loved all that. That to me, that's intriguing stuff, but we didn't get it. He died. I understand it. It sucks. And again, I think a lot of the, part of that probably is the fact that Adam Driver probably would have never came back to play him after this trilogy. 
Maybe I do. I, I think that's I think that's part of it. I do because I think I think I think you told me before in the duel of the face. Does Ben Solo die? Yeah. So he was going to die regardless. Right. Which sucks. <laughs> For but me, he wasn't it Ben sucks. Solo. He was straight Kylo, up Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren. In yeah. That. Okay. That's fair. But and, and again, but that's a whole missed opportunity then. We would have never got Ben Solo as we did. So. Okay. I, he killed his dad. <laughs> I know. I know you're still bitter about that. <laughs> I just watched The Force Awakens the other night. And did when you? that part hit, I was like, oh. It's a tough thoughts. one. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. Yeah, it really is. But yeah, I mean, to wrap it up, I think a cool rumor, 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 rumor. Cool rumor. I mean, again, I'm not saying I wouldn't watch it. I just, I, it's not something I need. A, I'm fine with any of the story pre, you know, pre The Force Awakens of Ben Solo in a comic book, a book, or I'll take animation. Live action, I don't need it. I don't need, I just don't, I mean, I do want to know. You're absolutely right. I want to know what happened and how he got to where he was in the Rise of Kylo Ren comic book and what transpired. But I don't need it in, I guess, in the live action. I guess I just don't, that's just me. I mean, there would be a little bit of bloodline like incorporated in it. I mean, think about it. Not everybody knows what was happening with Leia and Han during that time, like how we are a little bit more familiar with it, you know? There, there's huge potential. There's huge story to be I, shown to a, to a bigger audience. I don't disagree. I don't disagree. There is. There is. I mean, there is a lot of potential. I, I don't know. I'm just ready to move on. For me, no. I guess I'm just ready to move on to newer stuff, new characters, all that stuff. Like, I'm ready for the High Republic. I cannot wait for the High Republic. You know what I'm ready for? And I can't get over how awesome it is. It's Alphabet Squadron. I mean, bro. We're, yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about that in Dude, a, Shadowfall uh, soon, very soon. nuts. Yeah, I can't. We're, we're, that's our combo. That's going to be a big episode. <laughs> We Those might have to do the two day ones of that. Yeah, they Those are. Books are outstanding, man. They're amazing. So, so good. I'm not finished yet, but uh, yeah. Uh, and speaking of books, um, shout out to Del Rey. We got well, we got our digital copy, and we got the physical copy of the Thrawn Ascend, uh, Ascending Chaos Rising book. Is it blue? So it got the blue. It is blue. It is blue. Oh, wow. You know what I got to do? I got to see if I can get you, uh, like, if I can add you to the mailing for the physicals i'll have to ask our uh our peeps it doesn't matter i like you going. got i got you the digital you yeah got the digital copy so but i can't wait for this book too i'm super excited for it but anyway mm-hmm. but uh last thought so yeah i mean i'm am i opposed to it i'm am i opposed to a ben solo live action you sound no. opposed oh i'm not opposed i'm just not i don't need it i guess i just don't need it's it. opposition it's not <laughs> it's just a different point of view from a certain point of view i'm just not a hundred percent all for it. I'm not opposed. I'm just not all for it. I'm gonna look up the definition of opposed right now. All right. While you do that, um, our main topic for the day is the uh, Rise of Skywalker. Oh, okay, here we go. go or on. disagreeing with, disapproving, or disagreeing with. You are opposed. <laughs> you disagree right, so and you disapprove. <laughs> I don't disapprove. I'm just, from a certain point of view, wouldn't be excited for it. Synonym against. (laughs) Another one. Dead set against. Dead set. I'm not dead set. I'm just against. I am against. Okay, anyway. So, our main topic for the day. Lauren Romo is opposed (laughs) to a live action Ben Solo show. It's right here as an example of using the word. Uh, Examples. I'm in. I'm on Google. Nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our main topic for today is the uh, Rise of Skywalker documentary. A lot of fun uh, in this whole, uh, the whole documentary. Agreed. Over two hours long. It was great. Yeah. Mix of old and new. I mean, yeah. it's a lot of good stuff. So um, let's start with this, Andrea. What was your overall thoughts on the uh, documentary overall? What was What was it? I enjoyed it. Um, it completely met my expectations. We always talk about on the show how we like watching behind the scenes Star Wars footage and how it just adds to the experience. Uh, it was a great example of how Star Wars affects such a larger audience and then how uh, the creators and the artists and the craftspeople working 
uh, just do their best towards making, you know, the Star Wars universe uh, as amazing as they can for an audience. It, it just really gave me the feels. Star Wars feels. <laughs> Good old Star Wars feels. Yeah, I think overall I, I did. like I liked it too. You got a little perspective of old and new. You know, you got old footage of, you know, a young Harrison Ford, young Mark Hamill, young Carrie Fisher on sets of, you know, the A New Hope, the Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. You see it all. And it's very cool. Like, very, very cool. You know, I mean, also the way it, it jumps off with that that old footage of those fans out in the desert, just wanting to see a shot of, uh, you know, what I don't know what that ship's called outside of Jabba's Palace when all that happens in Return of yeah, the Jedi. The, um, yeah, the yeah. the barge, well, not a barge, yeah, 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 yeah. whatever. So yeah. just how geeked they were. And I mean, they were geeks. They were amazing. And it made me chuckle and like feel warm inside. Just saying like, yeah, man, we're on tattooing. Like, woo. Like, it was so cool <laughs> <laughs> to see people back in like 1983 just completely uh, just needing to be part of the Star Wars experience already. It was it was amazing. I loved how they kicked off the documentary with that footage. Yeah, it was cool. I'm glad you brought that up. Because it's almost like nothing has changed in 40 years plus of fandom. Like, Hands even down. back then. Yeah. People were trying to get their first glimpse, trying to get, you know, the the first action, you know, whatever. Their first look at what was coming down the pipe for Star Wars. Yeah. And that hasn't changed. Nope. It's probably gotten worse, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but it's cool to see that. You know, the passion for this franchise has been there since the beginning. Yes. It's very, very cool to see. You know, what they, I, in the beginning of the whole documentary, you know, J.J. Abrams, Chris Terrio, they talk about wrapping up the entire saga of nine films. And, and, and if you think about it, it's a big, it's a tall order to do. Yeah, it's huge responsibility, too. And, you know, I think they did it to the best of their abilities. I really do. And you can tell throughout the entire documentary the love and passion that everybody from cast to crew, everybody in production, how much they loved being on sets and filming this movie. Yeah. You can't argue that at all. Right. You cannot argue that at all. You know, and then the sets, you know, let's just talk about that. So there's three major sets. There was the Pasana. Mm-hmm. There was um, the Exegol, mm-hmm. yep, Kajimi, and then um, the first planet they were on where Leia uh, was training when she was younger. Um, oh, God, I can't remember the planet. I can't remember that planet's name. Uh, but anyway. Why can't I remember the name of that planet I, right now? I know. Who knows? Someone will add us and that's fine. You can add us all day, people. But I'm about to go get my visual dictionary. <laughs> I have it probably behind me somewhere. Um but, you know, those sets were amazing. And, yeah. you know, how 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 they did, especially in Pasana, the choreograph, the choreograph dancing they did, the entire process of them choreographing a dance, getting those costumes together for like hundreds of extras was amazing. You know, and then like how they did the sinking, the sinking sand sinking stuff. Fields. Yeah, it was cool. The whole snake bit was awesome. Yeah. You know, it was just, it was cool to see all that, all that type of behind the scenes stuff. What about you? Was that something you really enjoyed? Yeah. Um, what I liked the best was, you know, we even talked about this in the, the Mando episode was the practical, you know, how much of the set and the creatures and the detail was real. Like you could actually grab it and hold on to it, you know, um, all the way from, just the water crashing down on them on the Death Star scene. I mean, I, I'm sure they added some CG to that, but that was all real. That was just gallons of gallons of water just pouring down on them. You know, Pasana was all real. The snake, just like you said, Babu Frick, that stuff is amazing. Just the, the puppetry and then the performance of the voice actor as well, too. All the Ray and Kylo fights were real. It was all them. You know, they were very passionate and very um, attached to their characters and wanting to do that performance. The lifting of the X-Wing, all that crap, dude, it was real. And I love that part about Star Wars. And you can tell that the actors love that, too, because they even say, like, I'm in Kajimi, I'm in Star Wars, I'm in the galaxy. 
I, you know, I love that that part where Daisy's acting across from the snake and she was like, I feel like I had like a moment. And JJ's like, I feel like he had a moment too. And they were being like, of that. Honest. Yeah. 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 They were being yeah. honest about it. Yeah. And that's like what it's about. And then I loved how they intertwined, like you said, old footage with new footage. You know, right after they talk about that, they do that snake bit. Then they go to Mark Hamill talking about having to act across from, you know, an ice monster, you know, in the Empire Strikes Back and how it's needed and how that's what gets you into the performance. It was just I loved it. Yeah, a lot of the ba- behind the scenes stuff was great, like you said, because it, it did mix the old with the new. You saw you saw things, you know, from A New Hope, from The Empire Strikes Back, from, you know, Return of the Jedi. And it was cool to see, like, I like the one part where Mark Hamill was training on a lightsaber. So they went like yeah. from that showing like uh, Daisy training and Adam training. It I was love- just really, really cool. I love how he was in like the tightest jeans. <laughs> Right, I was just like so, jeans, man. Just, it's so funny that he wore jeans to like work out. Yeah. And Daisy's obviously and Adam are like, you know, workout outfits, like tank yeah. tops and like everything. And yeah. he's over there wearing jeans. So and awesome. It was so great. It was. It was so great. It was so great. One of the things I there's a couple of things that I, you know, that I loved. And then we'll I'm, we'll talk about some things that maybe we I don't know. I don't want to say disliked, but maybe just thought maybe they could have. Yeah. Well, post or they could (laughs) have added more. Like maybe maybe you're thinking they were going to go like talk about uh, other things within it. One thing I want to bring up is how the the process of them using Carrie, Carrie's footage and how they, you know, basically use that footage as like the focal point and built everything else around it. I think that was the best thing they could have done. I think that was the you know, only way I think to keep it as if Carrie was still there. And it did. I mean, and for what they had and for what they could do, it, it worked. For me, it worked. It, I mean, obviously, we would rather have Carrie, but it worked. And I love seeing um, Billy, her yeah. daughter. That was great. You know, her and um, Kelly Marie Tran's relationship was fun to see. Yeah. Uh, on, you know, on the sets. Um, another person or another thing that I loved was Eunice, the stunt coordinator. Intense. She was the best. We should, we need to get her on here because that would be hilarious. She would be so cool to talk to because, you know, I liked the thing that she talked about was with Adam when she was saying that Adam was like an intense guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she would try to talk to him. And, you know, he would say, like, you know, Kylo Ren wouldn't do that. Like, he was so in character, even, like, when they were on breaks, that he was, yeah. you know, th- that's what, that's how focused he was. And that was, I love that. I love to hear that. But I just like her energy, that, like you're saying, her energy, more intense. That's very George Lucas. But, like, you know, how she was uh, pushing Daisy when she was doing the jump. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she was, you know, Daisy would say, you know, Eunice would ask her. You know, do you think you did your best? And Daisy's like, do you want me to do better? <laughs> like, just like that whole like their her relationships with all the actors was great. I loved her. So that that was a very fun part. Um, Adam himself just talking about being Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. how protective he was over like the physicality of him. And that's why he wanted to do all the stunts and yeah. wanted to you know, be a part of that. I love that. And Daisy was the same way. Mm-hmm. Daisy wanted to do all of her own stunts and all that stuff. So any thoughts on kind of Eunice and um, kind of Daisy and Adam doing their own stuff? Yeah, going back to, you know, having Leia slash Carrie Fisher in the forefront of the story was absolutely touching. You know, even seeing the the makeup artists talk about that day that they were filming and that they were all around like telling stories of Carrie and laughing and how special it was to have Billy there. I just thought that that was Awesome that the fans got to experience that. Um, I know we saw like that sneak peek footage on Twitter of Billy standing in for Leia with that duel with Luke. Uh, But to just watch the reveal of that was and how JJ like honored Carrie's presence and um, what she brought to the story and her legacy was awesome. And I just love how he kept Billy involved and he was very protective of her. She was okay with you know, doing certain scenes and all of that. It was just a great 
just it was it was very touching you know it just showed yeah, that really how was. Kathleen and JJ have respect for the franchise and have respect for for all their actors and everyone involved in in the movies i even liked how daisy like had a moment when she was you know having to present her her lines across from what carrie would have been saying and she even said she had to take like a moment and step away just goes to show how powerful Carrie Fisher's presence and the character of Leia is in in the Skywalker saga. It was awesome. Right, right, right. Yeah, um, man, Ray and Kylo, my my hands down favorite moment in that documentary is the TIE fighter racing in on her and them showing the wire work of Daisy, them showing the close-ups of her performance and Mm -hmm. jj's reaction of just how wonderful and beautiful and strong she was at conveying a message with just her face and and body language and all of that even eunice even eunice was all excited i love it (laughs) (laughs) like when they finally show like that final shot of her like going over you know the i know i shouldn't say tie fighter what's tie destroyer silencer yeah i mean and again going back to the practical that crap was all done. You know, Ray or Daisy doing that flip and how she landed. I mean, watch the the documentary. It is her doing it. It is absolutely amazing. It's breathtaking. The just the way that they put that all together with the music and having Adam and Daisy talking about their relationship with each other and what Kylo means to Ray and what Ray means to Kylo. To me, I could I could watch that little part over and over again. It was it that is hands down my favorite part in the documentary. Yeah, that Adam and Daisy's performance, I think in 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 the Last Jedi for Adam especially, but even Daisy, but their performances in Tross were phenomenal. I mean, Hell they yeah. were they were both outstanding. Daisy gave one hundred and ten percent. Adam gave one hundred and ten percent. There, I the one thing that I laugh about was when they were doing the Kajimi fight, and she actually accidentally hit him. Hit him. Yeah, and he, she was like, "I'm sorry." He goes, "It's okay. It's okay." okay. <laughs> like very Kylo Ren. Like, yeah. it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you do. I love how you learned. You know how the thought process for these actors, mm-hmm. even with Finn and um and Poe. You know, you hear from John Boyega, Oscar Isaac. You know, I love the moment where Oscar Isaac said that he went to JJ and said, hey, man, I think I think Poe needs a moment with Leia. And Mm -hmm. that's why we got that scene with him and her as she's as she's laying down. Yeah. Um, You know, that to me, that was interesting, like that that wasn't in the original script. And that kudos to JJ for like, hey, yeah, you know, that actually sounds like a good idea. And it worked. It was great because then that's yeah. how you got Lando in there. And I love all that. Um, the, like I said, Kajimi set was amazing. Um, Zoe Bliss. Loved John her. Williams. John Williams. That's what I was going to get to that. Yeah. John's William, John Williams cameo was fantastic. Yes. I didn't notice. And I wish they would have somehow brought that stuff up to the front. But again, maybe that's just the geek in me. But all those little things that they had behind him mm-hmm. that mimicked his like 50, was it 50 something? 51 Oscar nomination. Yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, it really that was. That was so cool. I loved it. And like how he was so appreciative and like how he was just like, he didn't even realize it. And he was kind of like blown away that they did all that. Yeah. Loved that. And I love his, his cameo was so quick, but it was so cool. And then just sh- they had little behind the scenes stuff of him doing the orchestra. Yeah, composing you know, it was amazing. From, yeah, and then back from they showed like old footage of him doing it in seventy seven or whatever, and then him doing it, you know, present day. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, he looks like he gave uh, Daisy Ray's theme music sheet. Yeah, the first page. That, oh, that was that. Oh, that'd be so cool. <laughs> To have that piece of artwork from or that piece of music, like that sheet given to, you know, from John Williams, like that would be mind blowing. And you love Daisy's reaction to it, too. Like she was so like appreciative, caught off guard, loved it, like emotional about it. 
and just how a lot of people respected him, like how important he is to Star Wars. Yeah. Like I'm it's music. It's it's music and Star Wars. They go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, the footage of, you know, JJ and Mark Hamill watching him, you know, in front of the orchestra and them getting choked up and them having emotional moments. I mean, it's not the first time they've ever experienced it. It is the last time they're ever going to experience it, maybe. Uh, So I can understand the emotional weight behind it. But, you know, they were just really able to display what it means to have that type of person in their presence. And I mean, these are big time people and they, um, you know, get taken aback by a a, a composer. And I loved how JJ talked about his humility, how he would get done, you know, creating this beautiful piece of music and, and orchestrating it. And then he would be done and he would turn around and he said like, was that good? And, you know, and that, that to me is what makes the experience of, of Star Wars just beautiful because so many people are in that small little humble like they just want to do good for the fans they just want to do good for the experience that's the best part that they're all like there just to present something to the people that love this franchise it's awesome yeah i think you know how they handled the whole carry situation like we talked about was was fantastic how they handled putting in john williams in the movie to make a cameo you know, to show their appreciation was fantastic. You know, so it, it, I mean, that, that type of stuff in this documentary was, was great, you know? And, you know, like I said, the, one of the things that I liked too was the whole Death Star ruin set like we talked about a little bit earlier with Ray and Kylo. Mm -hmm. That stuff was cool. Like you're saying the water was like, yeah, gallons upon gallons. So that was cool to see. So there's a lot, there's a lot of fun and really cool behind the scenes stuff in this documentary for sure. I loved it. Um, here's a couple things that I maybe for me, I wish we would have maybe gotten more or seen more. Mm-hmm. Like I said earlier, JJ and Chris talked about wrapping up the entire saga, not just the sequel trilogy, but the entire, you know, the entire saga as a whole. You say that, but in this whole documentary, you showed maybe one thing of the prequels. Mm -hmm. And that's only when JJ mentioned that the opera scene in Revenge of the Sith was, you know, uh, was important because of what happened with Palpatine Palpatine. and all that and all that, which is great. I mean, I love how he took that from Revenge of the Sith and kind of incorporated it into the sequel trilogy and into this movie specifically. But where was, where's, where's the love of the other, like the whole prequels as a whole? Like you don't even talk about it. Like for me, that to me, to me, that was disappointing. I remember when I first watched this, when it first, when the first, uh, when the movie first came out and dropped on digital back in, what was it April? God, it feels like forever. Um, I remember watching it, watching this, and then at the end, not, you know, realizing that they didn't really talk about the prequels. I was like, oof. I was like, I know some people that are not going to be thrilled that they didn't really talk about the prequels, especially when they said that they were, you know, talking about wrapping up the entire nine, you know, nine films as it was now. What, what's your thoughts on that? <sighs> I don't know. Um, man, the prequels are such a tricky thing. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, because they were like uh, an afterthought, you know, not an afterthought, but like added in almost like a uh, like extra. I don't know how to describe it. Yes, it sets up the story. Yes, it brings you to um, Darth Vader and the Skywalkers through Anakin. And it brings you uh, to all that information with the Clone Wars. And the fall of the Republic and the rise of the Empire is all in there. But I feel like what needs to get sewed up in the sequel trilogies is what happens in the original trilogy. So I think that's why concentrating more on that than concentrating on the prequels is kind of where that comes from. 
Um, I do, like you said, I do like that they brought up, you know, Darth Plagueis the Wise, that scene of the opera and Palpatine telling Anakin that story and his obsession with wanting to um, beat mortality and the fact that he came back in the sequel trilogies. And maybe that was a line. Maybe there is the line that everybody has been wanting. So I know I didn't. Uh, watch the documentary thinking I want a couple good bites of the I don't feel like that's JJ's responsibility it's like a Dave Filoni thing it's like a George Lucas thing it's not a JJ Abrams thing maybe not even a Ryan Johnson thing I mean I mean I, I get yeah I mean I get what you're saying but if you're talking about again this is just me this is how I perceived it when you say when you say when both of them said Terrio and Abrams said that, you know, they this whole idea of wrapping up not just this trilogy, you know, the sequel trilogy, but the entire saga as a whole. You would think, this is just me, you would think you would want to pull from all the entire eight movies that came before you. Well, I think the, the prequels, you know? Well, I think the way they thought they did that was through Palpatine. I know we would have liked and that's to weak. see. To me, that's weak. That's weak. If it, I and then I understand it, but that's weak for me. And I know like we would like to see some people would like to see the line be Anakin, Darth Vader. And that's the line that you get through the, uh, you know, through then the sequels to the end. But I don't I don't know. I feel like that story needed to be passed on. I mean, again, it was hard. Two different creators, two different directors trying to tell one story. Both of them want to tell it a completely different way. But I was thinking about this and I'm going to ask you this question. What if you knew from The Force Awakens that she was meant to be a Palpatine? Would it have changed the way you view the sequel trilogy? So you're saying if they set up that Because I watched Mm -hmm. Force Awakens, you know, the other night. And, you know, people have brought this to my attention before. I'm not this isn't an original um, thing when she's fighting Kylo and she's doing those those stabbing moon moves. It is very Palpatine, um, you know, like he is stabbing at uh, Mace Windu in that fight at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It is the same motion. It's like this instinctual motion that she uses that is like a Palpatine move. When you see that, you start to think like, huh, like maybe she is a Palpatine. I know there was a ton of different setups. Her going around Starkiller base, maybe she's a Kenobi. Her Han looking at her, maybe she's a Solo. You know, I know there were tons of different setups. But if you knew from the get-go that she was going to be a Palpatine, like you knew from the get-go in the beginning of the prequels that Anakin was going to turn into Darth Vader, would you view that trilogy differently? That's a good question. That's a good question, because I think one or two things. One, I would have understood the setup if that was more implied. Mm-hmm. Again, you, looking back at it now, yeah, you could like exactly like you're saying. Force Awakens, you could pull things mm-hmm. and say that make. Yeah, that makes sense now. Right. But at the time, it, it would have it didn't make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, because like you said, you look at Starkiller Base, she was definitely, you know, Kenobi. Maybe I, I, yeah, right. And I, I never, and I know a lot of people say that her fighting style when she was fighting Kylo on circular base, you know, with that move or whatever was very Palpatine. Here's my thing with that. Number one, I think she was, she had no idea what she's doing. And that was just something that maybe she picked up as far as survival when she was on Jakku, like with her staff, like stabbing. That's how I take it. And but I understand the the comparisons of it now that, you know, yeah, you could say that that's Palpatine. Okay, that's fair. That's fine. Again, there were there was moments of, you know, her showing anger in both the Force in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Again, understand it. So you can put you can put the things together. You know, so I I I would have changed I don't know if it would have changed, but maybe I would have understood understood what what they did in trust a little bit a little bit more and accepted it i mean Uh and that's on me but that's on me i guess as a fan that's on me to accept and to just you know what they were showing me but i guess how i took before before rise of skywalker came out how i took ray's ray's journey was 
she was a scavenger, a scavenger from Jakku who had these, who was very strong in the force, had no idea who her parents were. And then Last Jedi, it was like, it doesn't matter. Like, and I loved that. I guess I loved that part of The Last Jedi where it was, Ray, you know, like the, the thought of Rey being whoever she wanted to be because it didn't matter who her family was. Because and she that's really was what it, strong with the force, you know. That's really what it ended up being. It didn't matter that she was a Palpatine. She <laughs> ended up going right. her doing her own path. It's the same thing. It's just that she ended up being a Palpatine instead of a no one. But the result was the same. I mean, yeah, I get that. And I and I and I and I don't disagree with you. But here's another thing that there's two quotes I'm gonna throw at you. So the first one is JJ Abrams. He said this, and since we're kind of on this topic of Ray's, you know, Ray and the lineage and all that stuff. His quote in the documentary was the idea that she's so crazy. Now he's talking about Ray. The idea that she's so crazy powerful with the force, you know, so quickly for us, we always felt that there was a connection between her and something that would help explain some of those things. That quote right there, I will be 100% honest, legit pisses me off a little bit. But why? Because, that, because to me, that is... As a fan of Ray, that is telling me, this is how I take that, that she couldn't just be powerful just because she had to have an explanation that to me that I, I hate that. Why does she have to have an explanation of how powerful she is? We set that up really in TFA and in Last Jedi that she was this, you know, this person that is just strong with the force, that the force mm-hmm. chose her. You could have went down that path, but you didn't. You had you made her into a character that I get in the end, it didn't matter who her family was. And I 100 percent agree with you, Andrea. I 100 percent agree that it didn't matter in the end who her bloodline was. But you had it's almost like with that quote, it's almost like he had to he they did that just to explain her power because nobody understood it in the first two movies. And to me, that's that's legitly BS. That's legitly BS. That's how I take it, though. What, what about you? Well, I think it it kind of is Star Wars. I mean, what do we all know going from the prequels into the original trilogies that there is this very strong presence of the Force in specific people? Let's be honest. Some people are stronger with the Force. Now you can Fair. you can you can argue with Qui Gon says that it you know it's who unlocks their potential. Everybody has the same amount of Force ability. Whatever you want to say. But to me, what we know as in the Star Wars universe, that there is a stronger line of force capable beings and they're Skywalkers and they're Palpatines. And to keep that trend going into the sequel trilogies, you had to keep that Skywalker blood and that Palpatine blood relevant to me. That's not to say that there aren't beings out in the galaxy that aren't strong with the force, like Broom Boy. Or maybe Broom Boy Ezra, can... Ezra can, Bridger? Ezra Bridger? Kanan Jarrus? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Or maybe Broom Boy can only move a broom. We don't really know. But, That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. But I like, you know, this is classic Andrea. <laughs> 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 Today I like that Ray is Palpatine, you know? And then I I like that Ray can let go of being a Palpatine and become a Skywalker. You know, I am okay with it. If I can just throw away, unlearn what I have learned, honestly, like Yoda says, and get rid of all my theories and concepts and things that I wanted to happen and just embrace what the creators did for this this trilogy on its own it actually works for me now the execution of the movie and the editing of the movie and the speed of the movie and all of that of trust yes it drives me absolutely nuts and i can't stand it about that right right it needed to be stretched out there needed to be a better pace for it there was way more story to tell um, I just wish we could have got more of that. Sometimes I even got frustrated. Man, you wasted all that money on a, on a snake and Kajimi. And those were those, like these little tiny scenes, man. You know, Pasana, we could have experienced it a little bit more. It was beautiful. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So yeah. 
Agent Kloss. That's the name of that damn place. Nice. <laughs> Agent Kloss. There you go. That's the plan. Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, his quote saying, you know, we wanted to know why she was crazy powerful. You're right. We did. And honestly, a lot of us up until The Last Jedi thought that she had to be a Skywalker or she had to be a Kenobi. She had to be something. She had to be something. No, you're right. That's a, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. But I, I just, you know, I guess after, I, for me, that question of if she's a Skywalker or Kenobi was definitely after The Force Awakens. After Last Jedi, my whole thought process changed. And it was you know, supposed to. I mean, we talked about that. Who Fair. are we? Who are we with? And we talked about the middle movie, the middle child, and how the <laughs> pet Charles from Conversations. Yeah, and how that story is meant to confuse you and wonder if your hero is actually going to make it through their their journey and their path. And is you know that's that's really what did happen. So if you look at it as the setup, she's something powerful, but you don't know what. And then you go into the next, here are these problems that she's running to into. She still doesn't know who she is. Maybe she would be okay with this. And then this is the result of it. Like, it actually works well. It's not executed to a T, but right. to me, it works right. well. Right. No, I agree. I think the overall, and I totally agree, the overall story of Ray of not, you know, it doesn't matter who her parents were, doesn't matter who her bloodline is. That she is who she is. And I'm and I actually I'm totally fine with her being a, a Skywalker, too. Like that. I love that. that. I actually really like that a lot. But I just for some reason, that quote, it, it just bothered me because, again, I guess for me, I guess I loved the idea of her just being this force user that the force. Again, this is how I how I would have loved it is that the force chose her to be the equal to Kylo. You know, and that she and didn't did. have to have some explanation of power because we know in The Force Awakens, she was able to download, if you want to call it, things when her and Kylo were in the interrogation room in TFA. Yeah. So that's how she started to unlock her, her, her potential, her, her, you know, the force and the force within her. And then Luke helped her in The Last Jedi. So I get it. But I mean, again, I get that. Her power was, you know, to be explained for some people. And I get that. But I think you could have explained it in a way of her just not having to be related to Palpatine. Listen, That's just my thoughts. If you want to hear a story about Ray being a nobody, you should read Duel of the Fates, Lauren. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> if you want that story. I refuse. Refuse. Well, read Duel of the Fates. And then see how you really feel compared I mean, to fair. what you got in Tross. That's it, fair. It feels different. That's fair. So the other, the other, since we're kind of on a Skywalker Palpatine thing, the other quote from Terrio was that it's always, uh, his quote was, it's always been a story of Skywalkers and Palpatines. That's fair. That's a very fair statement. And I agree with that, with what he said. I never thought of it that way, to be honest. But it's an interesting kind of, it's always about Skywalker's Palpatines. Yeah. It kind of is. It kind of is. is. Especially the influence that Palpatine had on Anakin. Right. You go back from, right, exactly, from the prequels. The influence he had over Anakin all the way through when he turned into Vader and then even after. like And and also the influence influence he had on the Jedi Order. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it, it really is like, if you want to say, if it's a story of good and evil, then that's the story. Palpatines versus Skywalkers. There's your story. Yeah, true. And it and it, it really is. It, it is like a Skywalker versus Palpatine whole story arc through with the entire Skywalker saga. So it makes sense. I thought that was an interesting take. I never thought of it that way. My dog is barking. We can edit this out. <laughs> or will we? That's the question. Or we'll keep it. To just show our audience that we're humans with pets. <laughs> That's very true, too. <laughs> but I never thought of it that way when he said that, that it's a Skywalker and Palpatine thing. Like, I never I never put those two and two together. What I mean, what was your kind of the same way? You never really 
put that kind of in context? No, I never put it in context. To me, it's a tiny bit reaching. I think it's because they wanted to sell their version of the story that they gave us, which is which point. is smart. I mean, it's smart. So it's a good point. I mean, look at I just went on a rampage about how it's Palpatine and Skywalker, you know, so <laughs> right, right. It worked. Right. Congratulations, Christeria. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Master <laughs> manipulator. Master manipulator. You, Palpatine, you. <laughs> uh, good discussion, yeah. pal. This is yeah. good stuff. I mean, really, the line is, you know, we I've said it before. I don't like how there is a clear line from the prequels to the originals to the sequels. Never seemed like there was. But if you kind of just throw all your crap out of your brain and say, okay, the line is Palpatine and Skywalker. I mean, that's your line. Yeah, we didn't get an Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader presence in the sequel. A little bit we did, but that was really only to just fuel the new villain that we needed, which was Kylo Ren. So a lot of interesting choices throughout the whole sequel. But to me, yeah, that's true. man, rewatch it from the beginning. Just realize that Rey is a Palpatine and then look for that. Look for that and then look for the confusion yeah. in, in The Last Jedi to get you off of that path and then <laughs> what it brings you back to. To me, it I guess it's there. No, and I, and I don't disagree. Like, again, when you when you watch this documentary and you look back, yeah, the seeds were there for sure. A hundred percent. hundred percent. I just don't. I guess my whole thing is I didn't like that. I guess that choice. Yeah. I didn't like that choice. And that's fine. And I. I'll get over it. I mean, I am mostly over it, but today I'm over it. I mean, right. I mean, most of the days I am, but today I'm not over it. it that quote lit, lit that whole, <laughs> lit that whole, uh, you know, vigor fight in me with that, with that quote. But again, I understand where he's coming from because again, like you said, he had to, exp- he had to explain it in some way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. You know, I just wish they would explain it as just, she was just this, Force user that was chosen by the force to, you know, be the equal. But that's fine. That's here nor there. Uh, before we get jump into Asa Gale's final thoughts on the documentary, my friend. Uh, watch it. Uh, it is a great companion to the Rise of Skywalker movie, as is the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Uh, those are great ways to experience the movie. So if you're not a documentary person, it sucks to be you then you must not be a Star Wars fan. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but are you kidding, though? Are you? But I mean, <laughs> how do you not yearn for the behind the scenes? Right. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I Star Wars, Marvel, I love all the behind the scenes stuff for sure. All right. We are going to jump to Ask the Gales. Ooh, ooh. All right. First question comes from our friends at the uh, Scarif podcast, Scarif Scuttlebutt. They ask this. Can you briefly talk about the implications of taxing trade routes and how the banking clans have taken advantage of the Republic's dependence on trade federation policy? Oh, my God. I have a whole thesis on this. I will post it on Twitter and you can check that out then. So thank you for the question. No, I'm just joking. (laughs) Isn't it kind of strange that that's what the Phantom Menace was kind of about? It was. I mean, it was about <laughs> trade federation, trading roots. Really? Trading roots. <laughs> trading roots. This is what we were talking about. Taxation. Um, taxation without representation, people. Taxation without representation. <laughs> Bro, I'm so far from school. <laughs> exactly. Uh, can we briefly talk about uh We can briefly yeah. talk about it. It happened. It was a thing. Um, it was a storyline within Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah, that's our beat discussion about it. Yeah. Andrea, your thoughts? Uh, I love, I love George Lucas. That's all I got. <laughs> oh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, thanks for the question, uh, guys. We appreciate it. I hope you liked our answer or lack thereof. <laughs> all right. Our next question comes from, let's see. Do 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 comes from a larger view of the force podcast. Nice. Uh new to the scene, so you guys go follow them. Uh, it's good stuff. They are doing fun stuff over there. Uh here's their question. There's lots of speculation about Baby Yoda, but wanna ask the gals about another unnamed character from the Mandalorian. The client. Do you think we'll get his real name? And do you think that he went 
unnamed for a reason. I love this question. Is that Werner Herzog? Yes, that's Werner Herzog's character. Yeah. Mm. So I'll, I'll kick this one off. So here's my thoughts on the client. Um, yes, I think he is a bigger deal than what we know. Um, will we get his name? I don't know. I got, you know, I, I totally, I have not watched The Mandalorian, to be honest. I haven't done a rewatch in a minute. Did he die? I can't remember. If, I don't remember. I can't remember if he died or not. I don't, I want to say no, but I think during that episode three, when he, when Mando, Din Djarin went and got the baby back, did yeah. he, I don't, I can't remember. I don't think he, I don't think he killed him. He might've knocked him out. I can't remember. Bro, I don't remember. And yeah, neither do I. That's sad. Look at us Star Wars fans doing a podcast and don't know. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Super embarrassing. People, why are you listening to us? Honestly, I don't know. How dare you know. challenge us with this question? <laughs> no, but I think, um, I do think his real name, I think we'll get it. I do that. Cause I, that's an interesting little plot because he was originally the one that needed to get baby Yoda, the child. And obviously he was going to give him to Gideon, Moff yeah. Gideon. So who was the client to Gideon? Was he an ex-imperial? Cause I don't think we never, I'd have to read cause they might explain it somewhere, maybe on starwars.com with like the character stuff, but I don't think we get, we know who the client was as far as was he ex-imperial? Was he just a, you know, not a smuggler, but like just a... a he was for sure ex-imperial. Didn't he have imperial insignias he on might, him? I think he might have. I can't... Again, and he I talked had to about the, the structure and the greatness of the Empire. So he probably was... Yeah, I think you're right. I think he was ex-imperial. But who was he to Moff Gideon? Like how... Where does he all fit into the story? I mean, really... So, also, not just him, but the scientist, the dude that was yeah, with I want to know about the cloning yeah. insignia. Right, right. That's pretty right. important too. Are we going to go back to that? Or I, I hope know. so, because that the the scientist guy too. I don't think he's dead. Because no, he's not. Because he just let the Mandalorian just let him go after he took the baby, after he yeah. took the child. So I hope he comes back because yeah, I want to know what kind of cloning was he? Is he from? Um, Oh, my God. The clone's home planet. Camino. Camino. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, Camino. Like, is he familiar with the with that planet? Is he familiar with Camonians? Camonians? Like, who knows? <laughs> that's interesting stuff, though. Again, that's where you can tie in prequel stuff into this new show. I mean, they can do that regardless. But I'm just saying that'd be really, that'd be a nice little touch. Uh, but yeah, I... I hope, I think we'll get more information on him. What do you think, Andrea? I mean, I, I hope, hope we, we get do. more information on him just because I liked Werner's performance of him. And I would like to see him in another scene uh, across from the baby and across from <laughs> I love it. the Mandalorian. So, yeah. I, I, yeah I, I think, yeah, I think I hope we get his more, uh, his background. I do, because I think there is a reason for for it, for sure. That he's just called the client. So I hope him and Moff Gideon, there's like this huge scene with them where they're just like drinking tea on a Star Destroyer and chatting up all the types of evilness they used to witness and do in the Empire. That'd be, yeah, they would have some stories for sure, I bet. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm here for it too. All right, any uh, last thoughts uh, on the Trosh, Ben Solo, Rumor, anything like that? I'm going to write a fanfic, I think. You going to do it? Yeah. I mean, it'll be terrible. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I, I got to read fanfic because there are some really, there are some really reading fanfics because I'm just trying to keep up with real fic. I mean, keep up with that. Yeah, no, that's true. We have so many book reviews we got to (laughs) do. We got to push those out. But yeah, uh, fanfic, is, it is great, though. Fanfic is good. There's a lot of talented, very talented people out there. Hell so yeah. mad, mad respect to all you um, all you writers. I don't care if it's fanfic or non-fanfic, whatever. Y'all talented. So you're way more talented than I am, for sure. So we appreciate it. Um, all right, guys, that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I think we did. We had some uh, some good stuff there. Some real good stuff uh, in here. Yeah, some really good stuff in here. All right, you guys can follow us, the Galactic Podcast, uh, on Twitter at the Galactic Pod. You can follow our episodes like this one 
on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And you can follow me, Lauren Romo, at Loronos on Twitter. You can follow me, Andrea Gutierrez, at R2D2Step on Twitter. Guess what, Lauren? What? Don't say it yet. Okay. When this, oh no, we're not dropping an episode this Friday on the 21st. There's a new no, BTS single coming out. New oh, BTS song on August oh, 21st. I am completely going to hijack our show and turn it into a BTS stand <laughs> podcast. I mean, hey, why not? <laughs> so when our fans finally do hear this, that single would have already dropped. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be all English. Trying to get some radio play. Nice. nice states. Maybe get a Grammy not a nomination. I love my boys. I had to give a shout out for my daughter to BTS. Jimin, you're my favorite. Jungkook, <laughs> J-Hope, you're my hope. I'm your hope. I'm J-Hope. Jin, I love Moon. It's my favorite song. I'm up with the Soul 7. RM, Ratman, love you too. Sugar, who am I missing? V. I like V. I'm not really a V fan, but uh, Carmen gives me crap for that. I have to love all of them. Uh, Liv from Pizza and Bar Sucks is really going to appreciate this ending of our show. Yeah. <laughs> Dave and Liv probably, but Liv for sure. I think she, I think she's a BTS fan too. So, all right, guys, be? they're so great. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. Hmm. That's fair. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening to us, and may that force be with you always, always. always.